0: following message is from christian life austin for more information about christian life please visit clcaustin.com thank you for listening hey everybody god bless you it's good to be in the house of the lord how many are on fire for jesus tonight i can tell i can tell wow before you're seated, we're going to get right into the word of the Lord, but I have to ask you, how many are 100% convinced that you're attending the best, most powerful church in the entire world right here? Amen. Yeah. Wow. Every time I come into this building, it's like there's a fire that just is ignited inside. Are you folks feeling that fire? I feel that fire tonight. My goodness. My goodness. You're in an environment where anything could happen to you before you leave this building. Where dreams and plans and hopes of a lifetime could be ignited and released in these moments that we share together. Praise God. And so let's get right into the word. I'm delighted to be here. We're going to have a great time. Let's look to the book of Genesis. And we're going to read from Genesis chapter number 28. I want you to say with me tonight, count me in. There's a lot of things going on with this great church, this new building program, all that God is doing. And you need to be counted in. You need to add your name to the list. So we're going to talk about that tonight. Count me in. Releasing the power of covenant agreement. Releasing the power of covenant agreement. And I'm going to read a very familiar passage of scripture that all of you, I'm sure, have studied before. But let's break it open and let the Holy Spirit minister to us Tonight from this passage, amen? All right, Genesis 28, verse 10. Now Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and put it at his head, and he laid down in that place to sleep. And then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached the heavens. And there were angels of God ascending and descending on it. Behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie I will give to you and to your descendants. Also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and the east, to the north and south. And in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go. And will bring you back to this land. For I, I love this passage. For I will not leave you until I have done all that I have spoken to you. How many tonight are glad we serve a God who... Is not schizophrenic that when he makes you a promise, you can take it to the bank. And he's not going any place till he gets it all done. Every bit of it. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God and this, the very gate of heaven. Then Jacob rose early in the morning and took the stone that he had put at his head, and he set it up as a pillar. Now, this is when a pillow becomes a pillar. We we could have used the same word. I'm from Arkansas, and that's what we call our pillows there is pillars. (laughs) It is. And he poured oil on top of it, and he called the name of that place Bethel. But the name of that city had been Luz previously. I guess if you were a citizen, you would have been a loser. Then Jacob, and God was about to change that, amen, and then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and keep me in this way that I'm going, and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on, so that I can't come back, will come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone, which I have set up as a pillar, shall be God's house, and of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth. To you Amen. Let's pray, Father. We thank you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit that's in this room and upon every heart. Now, Lord, we open our filters, God, and we declare by faith that we we will be taught the Word of God, and Lord, we will receive it with gladness, and we will be changed forever by the power that's invested in Your Word. As we gather around these ideas, we declare that we will see the release of covenant agreement at a higher level than it's ever been in all of our lives in Jesus' great name. Amen. High-five somebody. Tell them. Get ready for the word of the Lord. It's interesting that uh, in John chapter 1, when Jesus is gathering his disciples, he gathers, uh, begins the process, and one of them is Nathan. And when he comes, because Philip has believed that Jesus was the Messiah, and indeed who had been prophesied by Moses and the Law and the Prophets... And when he comes and brings Nathaniel to Jesus, Jesus said, uh, here is an Israelite in whom there is no guile. And Nathaniel responds and says, how did you know me? How did you know my character? You've never met me. And Jesus said, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. How many know tonight that God sees you everywhere you are and hears every conversation that you have? We don't know what happened under that fig tree, but apparently there may have been some sort of transaction, some sort of commerce or something going on, and an opportunity for Nathanael to have exploited that moment for his own good. But instead, he did it the right way, and Jesus caught, it caught Jesus' attention. And when Nathanael hears him say that, he says, Oh my goodness, you are the Lord, you are the Messiah. You are the teacher. And Jesus said, you think that's something? Listen, if you hang around, buddy, you ain't seen nothing yet. You hadn't seen nothing yet. As a matter of fact, he said, if you stay on my team, you're going to see heaven opened up, and you're going to see the angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Now, you cannot underestimate or undervalue the idea that Jesus in that moment claimed to be Jacob's ladder. Believe a will. Thank you. Yeah. You see, to the Jewish mind, one of the most iconic stories in all of the Old Testament, in all of the Talmud, and all of the Torah, was the story of Jacob's ladder. They knew it, they learned it from their earliest days, from their earliest training days in the synagogue. Schools. They were taught of the importance. And listen, when you dealt with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that's the big three. They knew all of those stories. So it was no little thing when Jesus said to this new disciple, listen, if you want to really get a glimpse of what's going to happen, you're going to see covenant opened and you're going to see the power of God unleashed and you're going to see the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. All right, so let's just leave that there for a few moments and let's shift gears and talk about energy. I, I, I'm not a scientist and I don't know whether there are any, I'm sure in this city there are probably lots of scientists in the room. Science teachers, whatever, if, if you're here, please don't identify yourself. And if you are here, just nod in agreement as I talk for a moment and, and give a, cut a guy a break because I'm not a scientist. But I have studied a little about energy and have learned that there are two kinds of energy. There is potential energy and there is kinetic energy. Potential energy is energy in reserve. It's energy that is held in reserve. The energy is there, but there's not been any way to access it and release it. Kinetic energy is energy that's in motion. It's energy that has been accessed. It's energy that has been released. For you to release energy, you have to have a switch. You have to have a valve. You have to have a spark. You have to have, you need a conductor if you're going to access energy that's held in potential and see that energy become a kinetic flow and a kinetic reality. Scientists tell us that we access energy in reserve through a portal called change. Change. Now, people don't often like to talk about change, and I've been through a lot of change in my life. How about you? How many have been through a lot of change in your life? How many wish God would get it right and leave it alone? (laughs) Yeah, I've been through a lot of change. I'd be quite content if it never changed again. But there's something about change that releases something that you've not been able to access yet. In other words, it's there and it's available, but you've not been able to get to it yet because there are things in your life that God wants to change. And when he changes those, it's like a spark. You know, we have a stack of logs. We uh, live up in Arkansas in the Ozarks, and we have a, a couple of different fireplaces, and we like to burn hickory, and there's nothing in the world in the early fall than on a cold morning than starting a hickory fire and letting it smell the house up. It's something else. That energy is stored in those logs, but you have to have a fire. You have to have a spark or a match to get that that energy that's in the log from the log into the fireplace and converted to a fire. Can I get an amen for that? And I'm the world's worst fire builder and that's a fact. Now, Kath is not. She was raised in Montana and this girl, listen, all I need to start a fire, I just need a, a, about a box of matches and I need a gallon of gasoline, you know what I'm saying? And and But not her. No, no. Listen, when she gets ready to start a fire, she'll take one match and wad up a little piece of newspaper and in a minute it's raging in the fireplace. I'm not sure how she does it, but she has a gift. It's amazing. But something's got to happen. There's got to be a spark. There's got to be sometimes when you come into a charged atmosphere, that's why you leave in such a high here. Because something ignited inside of you and released a fire, a potential that was there all along. The energy was already here. It was already in you before you came. But you just need a little help. You just need a spark. You just need something to ignite it. When people want to buy a house, we save money and, and we put money into a savings account and and or or we go to the bank and we borrow the money and we, we get that we have to identify a source of funding, of potential revenue. And then we have to come into agreement with the lender or with the bank or with the agent that we've made the deal with. And the contract that we sign becomes an ignition. That that agreement that we move into becomes a release of the potential in the funding of that real estate transaction that allows that hope and dream of your home becoming a kinetic reality. So whether it's a spark or a valve or a chain that you've got, somebody shout, pull the chain. It's like, like Anybody in the room, you're like, God, I've been on the verge of something great for so long. I wish somebody would flip the switch, pull the chain, strike the match, open the valve, sign the, the contract, do something. Yeah, it's, it's, but, but there's that thing that stands between our potential and the release of the power in our life. I cannot overemphasize the fundamental nature of agreement in the operation of the kingdom of God. In your agreement in the operation of the kingdom of God. The scripture says it this way in Hebrews chapter 6. But without faith it is impossible to please him. He who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. All that all the writer of Hebrews is telling us is we need to apply A link. We need to apply an ignition to what God has already decided. Listen, what God wants to do in your life, he's known your life. He's known your day. He's not making up your life. He's not making up his plan for this ministry a day at a time. He's already decided what he wants to do in your life, in your family's life, in this church. He's already made up his mind. He's just waiting for somebody who will agree with him. He's waiting for somebody who will go into the spiritual signing room. And sign the contract and make and strike a match and say, I'm ready, God. I'm willing to apply my agreement. And when you do, you access potential that was there all the while in God's plan for your life. We see in Hebrews 6 that agreement believes, but it doesn't just believe, it expects. It doesn't just believe, it expects, and then it acts. So it believes, it goes, it gives, it loves, it obeys, expecting the fulfillment of the process and the promise. And when we do that, there is a release of energy in heaven. All right, are you okay? Everybody still all right? All right, but wait, there's more. There's something really important that we have to add a layer. ...to this whole idea of energy release and kinetic flow. Because power, when it's unleashed, is, is increased dramatically when it's organized. Hurricanes form when clusters of thunderstorms begin to organize around a common point ...and feed off of each other. A common source, feeding off a common source like warm tropical oceans. And they begin to move in the same direction with the same purpose. And they share a common center called an eye. And that eye becomes a sort of agreement among the thunderstorms. And every revolution and every rotation, they are a bit more organized and a bit more powerful. Can I tell you that's how churches are? A lot of us are content to be just a few scattered thunderstorms. We just want to rain on a few folks, you know, and make some noise and have a little lightning flash in our life. I, ooh, I felt it at prayer time this morning or or I was, you know. No, no. How about we get together as a body of believers and you bring your storm and I bring my storm and we begin to move around the same source and we allow our agreement to come together and the energy that is in you and in me begins to be organized and magnified. That's how cities change. That's how communities change. That's how in our nations. Cha- That's how revival breaks out. That's how revival breaks out. Uh, the average Category 3 hurricane releases the same amount of energy as roughly 10,000 nuclear bombs. Cat 3. That's enough nuclear energy to destroy the world. I have to believe that if we could just get a Category 3 revival. I I have to believe if we could just get a Category 3 revival going on in the body of Christ, that we could reach this entire world with the good news of Jesus Christ and see lives and homes and families changed all over the world. That's about 200 times the energy capacity of all the generating power on the planet. One Category 3 Storm when it's organized and working together, feeding off the same source. It's not enough, saints, for you to be praying alone in your prayer closet. Do that, begin it that way. But you need to bring that prayer into this house where believers begin to join in agreement, where we all get into the room and sign the contract, where we all add our. Somebody say, Count me in. Energy that's there. These storms create energy from energy that was already there. It just wasn't organized. When you agree with God and other believers, amazing things begin to happen. Well, you see, God gave us covenants in the scripture so that we would have a point of reference and a common eye to create the storm. If you look at it historically, God has always, we call God a God of covenants. That's a God who makes agreements. He made an agreement in in the garden with Adam, and we call that the Adamic covenant. And then the the Noahic covenant with Noah, and the rainbow was put, and God said, I won't ever do it again like that. And there was an agreement. And then we talk about the, the covenant God made with Abraham. And that's kind of what our text opens up. It's a covenant that God had made with Abraham. And in the story that I've read in your hearing today of his grandson, Jacob, it's interesting to me that this boy hadn't added his name to the list yet. Uh, we were just spending a, uh, an evening with our grandsons and our son and his uh, wife passed her up in Lomita, Texas. And it's, there's, there's, I don't think there, there's more rattlesnakes in Lomita than people. I'll tell you that by a long shot, by a long shot. A lot more. But our son and his daughter have three boys. We actually have five grandsons. We don't have any girls. So if any of y'all have some girls, we'll, we'll introduce them and get a tribe going, you know. But Drew has Noah, Jonah, and Judah. So we've asked him to stop. We can't afford Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's, that's enough. How many grandparents know it gets more expensive? It doesn't get cheaper. But Jonah was our middle, our middle guy. And he was a little lion heart. When he was born, still he is. He's a runt. Bit of a runt. We don't call him that, so maybe he's not watching tonight. But He's, he's little for his age. And so he, he came out with this competitive edge. His brother's a lot bigger. And the very first words that I remember hearing Jonah stream together in one sentence when he was learning to, to talk was, Me too, my turn. Me too, my turn. He knew if he was getting in the truck with Papa... That it was probably, he didn't have to have the details. He didn't have to know where he was going. He just knew it was going to be good and there was going to be a line. And so he wanted to get his name in first and say, Me too, my turn. Is there anybody in this room that you feel a little like that with God? It's like, okay, you've been tired of being left out. You've been tired of being overlooked. You've been believing and praying, and you to not only be counted in. You're saying, it's my turn, God. It's my turn to release the power in my life. It's my turn to bless me. It's my, me too, my turn. My turn. Yeah. So that's kind of what we see. Well, what God says, you've got to have a place to put that agreement and that confidence. God's great potential stored up in every one of us. Every single one of us. No matter where you're from or who you were born, God has a plan for your life. You weren't an accident. It doesn't matter the physiological circumstance of your birth. You were not an accident. You were not a product of cosmic chaos. God had planned, has planned a future for your life and he has equipped that future with all the power and energy that you need to accomplish the purpose he has planned for your life. We just need to get into a place of agreement to see it released in our life. Instead of believing what the world says about us, instead of believing what our family says about us, instead of believing because we've been through that or we've done this or we've got no instead of that we've got to make up our minds that there is nothing that God cannot do in our life and if you are willing to trust that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who will seek him with all of their heart you can experience the power of God in your life I believe it I believe it and so God knows that and we sell ourselves out short too soon too often But you do need to learn to commit. I think the body of Christ, it would help us so much if we could just get some people, uh, their, their repeat button stuck. You know, that's what commitment looks like. It just looks like the button of repeat stuck in your life. And it's amazing how when you add your agreement and then you commit to that agreement, how powerful things begin to happen in your life when you just do it over and over and over and over again. I pay my tithe, I'm stuck on repeat. I need a better amen than that. How many, how many in this room would testify that when you got stuck on repeat given to God, incredible things begin to happen in your life? Yeah, I know, I know, I know. I, that's how it works. Some of you, it's like I prayed once and it was felt good, but when you get stuck on that season of prayer every morning, like a repeat button stuck, it's like you just can't. Suddenly, your things are opening up. Suddenly, heaven's opening up. Suddenly, you're having revelations and visions, and suddenly, God is doing because you got stuck on that seeking God with all of your heart. And I could go on and add to that list over and over again. That's all it looks like. I think it was Aristotle that said you are what you repeatedly do. So much of the great stuff in our life is locked up on the other side of commitment. There's John Wooden, the great uh, basketball coach of years gone by. And when he looked for players uh, to bring into the, into the program, he did look for talented athletes, no doubt. But more than that, he was looking for people who had an understanding of commitment and a work ethic that was tangible and he used a phrase, or, and they used a phrase around him about common acts of excellence. Common, think about that. Common acts of excellence. Yeah, cool. Hung on repeat. Yeah, that's, that's one of the great ways to release God's provision in your life. And so it said, with, even with all these national championships, it said that in the middle of the week after practice, you could often catch Coach Wooden with a broom, Sweeping the gym floor in the middle of the day. You know he had somebody else to do that. But he wanted his players to catch him doing the important things over and over again. I think some of us need to find our broom and get busy. I think some of us need to I think I think some of that stuff we've been praying for in our life is just on the other side of a good broom over and over and over again. finding a place to serve, finding a place to connect, finding a way to commit. It's amazing when people in this church catch you in uncommon acts of excellence in a repeat mode what God can do in your life. Are y'all in the room with me this evening? I believe it with all my heart. I believe it with all my heart. Let me finish tonight. There's a couple, three things that we see that Jacob did. And there's two processes involved in the release of energy at this level. Number one, you need revelation, and then you need action. In other words, you need to see it and get it in your heart, and that faith arise, and then you need to act. And that's what we see in Jacob in this story. The first thing, that there's three things I think that God taught him. Number one is God revealed to Jacob that covenant agreement creates a connection between heaven and earth. Anybody ever felt like heaven was way up there and you were way down here? Well, I'll tell you how to put a ladder between the two. It's when you agree with what God has said in your life. When you agree with what God has said and you agree with what his word says in spite of all these situations around you, in spite of what's going on around you, when you simply add your agreement, it's like heaven opens... And a ladder drops down. Jacob didn't know that. Jacob didn't know. This is a wayward boy. He's coming from a dysfunctional family. Uh, God is a God of his father and his grandfather. But Jacob hadn't counted himself in yet. The second thing that God showed him is in covenant, God commends the blessing. So imagine, imagine this circle, an imaginary circle I'm standing. Outside of it, I'm doing my best and it's all up to me. But when I step into that level of agreement, God suddenly takes over the commanding of the blessing. Now I don't have to try to work it up. I don't have to try to figure it out. I had an old bishop friend that used to tell me years ago when I'd get frustrated, he said, Phil, if you'll do God's will, he'll do your work. If you do your will, you'll do the work. It's like, okay, I got it. I want God to do the work. Anybody would agree with that in this room? If you will find his will, that's that agreement. If you'll step into that agreement with God and add your name to the list, then he'll pick up the work. He'll pick up the work you got a building to finish, and you got a job to do in this church. And I tell you, if you think about it too big, you're like, man, there's so much to be. Don't worry about doing it. Let God do it. You add your agreement. You add your faith to it. You add your commitment to it. You add all that you have to it, and watch God release that potential energy into a kinetic flow. That's what Jacob had to learn. He had to learn how covenant worked. He had to learn that in covenant God commands the blessing. And then he had to learn how heaven stuff happens. That's because angels are heaven's firepower working in the realm of the unseen. You see, that's what we see. What do we see there? We see God standing at the top. We see the ladder in Jacob's dream, And then angels are ascending and descending. I think it was Spurgeon that said that was the morning and the evening shift. And I want you to see this, ladies and gentlemen, as we turn down the home stretch. I want you to see this. It's been 140 years since God made a promise to Abraham, roughly. And here we are 140 years later. And when Jacob sees how covenant works, what's God doing? He's standing over covenant, saying the same thing that he did 140 years before. I'll bless you. I'll make your nation great. I'll multiply your seed. It's what he told his daddy and his granddaddy. I'm glad that we don't serve a God who's on, on, constantly changing his mind. Constantly. You've got to, who, honestly, who's. Bi- aren't you glad you don't serve a God who's bipolar? It's like you never know where he stands. No, I'll tell you where he stands. In the same promise he made to you 30 years ago. He hadn't changed his mind. He hadn't changed. No, no. He he says if you will add your agreement, I'll just do the same thing I said. I've been saying it, he said. Yeah. Those are the three things that were revelations. And let me show you what Jacob did. Number one, Jacob recognized the place as the house of God. Heaven's not open everywhere in your life. I believe that I believe we all need a Bethel yes, Lord. if God sent you to this church then heaven is open here for you yes, Lord. I said if God sent you to this church then heaven is open yes. you can, listen you can be saved other places you can be blessed other places but there is a special open heaven over the place that God sends you that's something Jacob learned yes. he said this is a special place Jacob And I tell you, there's something that there's, it grows in you When you are able to embrace something more than a spiritual beach bum kind of relationship with a local church You know, a lot of people, that, that's kind of the way they do it, right? It's like they drive on the property, spiritually, metaphorically They drive in a psychedelic a Scooby-Doo van <laughs> With a board on top of this pole. Hey pastor, I heard the waves are breaking really big I heard revivals here It's going to be great, totally tubular whatever that I don't even know what that means They'll stay a little while and then they'll hear that the waves are breaking down the street. They'll come and say pastor, it's nothing personal. We love everybody here but and they'll get right back on that spiritual Scooby Doo bus. No, no. That's and off they go. Jacob said, no, that's not going to be me anymore, God. I'm not going to be this wayward guy that's looking for God in all the wrong places. You've shown me this is my Bethel. You've opened heaven over here and you've shown me how the covenant works. You've shown me the power of covenant. He consecrated the place. Number two, he consecrated the moment. Then he made a vow. He said, God, count me in. And God made a promise. And Jacob added his agreement. Up until this point, every time God identified himself by the nomenclature or the identity of the God of Abraham and Isaac, he never added Jacob's name. Prior to this, it was always, I'm the God of Abraham and I'm the God of Isaac. When Jacob said, count me in, God added Jacob's name. The next time that passage is used is in Exodus chapter 3 at the burning bush. bush. Where he appeared to Moses and he said, I'm the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Stand with me, would you? How powerful is that level of agreement that not only will it change you forever, but it will change God forever? I don't fully understand all the theological ramifications of covenant agreement, but I can tell you this, God takes it so seriously that God would literally identify himself based on the change that happened on that stony ground outside of Jerusalem in that wayward boy's life. When Jacob said, you can be my God too. I don't want to just hear about what you did for dad and granddad, God. Would you add my name to the list? Count me in. Me too. My turn. And Jacob was so moved at that moment that he made a commitment to pay his tithe. Isn't that funny? I guess he understood what Jesus would later echo, that wherever your treasure is is where your heart will be also. And for covenant to really work, it's got to be connected at the heart level. It's not just words you say. It's a commitment you make and a sentiment that you mean. If you're here tonight and you would say, Brother Brassfield, count me in. I want you to raise your hand all over this room. If you're saying as we get this building program going, Pastor, count me in. Add my name to the list It may as well been my name signed on that contract right. It may as well been me signing that loan I'm going, I'm going to be committed I'm going to be everything Of all that God gives me I'm going to sow my tent I'm going to get hung on repeat Jesus. And we're going to see the power of God released yes, In your life Amen. Hold your hands up real quick We're going to pray this prayer I want you to pray this prayer with me Right now Lord, Lord Today, today I, enter I enter The highest level of coven agreement I add my name to the list I believe that you are and that you are rewarder of those who seek you I surrender my all to you add my name to the list in the mighty name of Jesus amen you receive the word of the Lord give the Lord a hand clap of praise tonight. amen God bless you